Welcome to the Impact Church Aurora podcast. We pray that this week's message encourages you, engages you, and equips you to make an impact in the world around you. Now, get ready to receive the Word of God. I want your heart and mind to be ready to receive the Word of God. Pastor Bethel and I have actually collaborated on this sermon today. We've worked on this. Pastor Bethel is the man that God appointed to deliver this word today. I want your mind to be fixed on what God is saying. I want your heart to be open to receive what God has prepared. I want your ears to be attentive to what God is putting forward. Let's not miss anything today that God has prepared for us. I believe, and I know ministers say this all the time, but I believe it actually really is a right now word for today, for this season. I know it because I kind of helped co-author it. But truth be told, this is what God is speaking. And I believe that what God is saying literally is going to cause things to break forth in our life today. If we will receive his word, receive his truth. So family today, I love this room. If you are ready to receive the word of God and ready to receive Pastor Bethel, the man of God, I want to invite you to put your hands together and rejoice. And this powerful servant of God that we have ministering the words of today, Pastor Bethel. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for that, Pastor. You know, I, I feel that uh, the Lord has already done so much in the last 15 minutes or so. You know, I, I already feel full and I, and I feel that uh, the Lord has already ministered to us. But I think that some of the problems that we run into as Christians is is that sometimes we get satisfied too quickly. Amen? When God has just a little bit more for us to be able to receive, to gain from Him, to receive from Him, sometimes we just limit the amount that we can get from Him. Amen? Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are so good. You are so awesome, Lord. And your presence is just here. How many of you are thankful that you are a child of God? How many of you are thankful that He is a way maker? You know, and and every morning that we wake up, and you know, the, the Lord has been just drilling this into my spirit. And I ministered on this two weeks ago. And the reason why I ministered on that is because that's just what the Lord has been drilling into my spirit, which is just identity. Identity. Understanding who He is, as Pastor was saying, and understanding why we were created and the purpose in Him. So it's critical understanding why we are Christians. Why we live and why we wake up every morning by God's grace and mercy. And many times we just allow the enemy to minimize us to just mere surviving, to just making it through the day. And we say, Lord, if I could just make it through today, that'll just be enough. Because that's the enemy coming at us, minimizing us to just mere survival. When in reality, he created us in his image that we may carry His function, that we may do His work, that we may understand that we were created for Him and by Him. Don't let the enemy to just minimize us to just mere surviving, to just trying to make it. See, because if your identity came from Him, then it can only, your purpose can only be found in Him. Amen? See, and life apart from this, it's a zero. It's worth nothing. And that's why we just got to wake up every morning and understand why we live. Why we were created. We were created by Him, for Him. And if we get this in our spirits, the different battles, the different challenges that come on against us on a daily basis, it's just a battle. They don't have to destroy us. They don't have to take the best of us. They don't have to keep us down. We can rise up in our spirits and say, He is greater than anything that could be coming against me. 
But we have to be so sure and so secure in who He is. See, we don't have to become a product of what we think that we can create. Instead, we need to become a product of Him and His finished work in us. See, and that's the thing is, is that many of us don't think that God's finished work is in us yet. We say, God, we still work in progress and there's so much that you have to clean in me. So much things that you have to work in me. When in reality, what Jesus Christ did in the cross for us, that was enough. Enough for us. And it's not going to be until we decide that and we make up our minds that we find our function in Him and our identity in Him that we're just going to get continually get beat up by the enemy and minimize our days to merely just surviving. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. Can we just say that every morning when we wake up and say, I no longer live, he lives. And the life that I'm living now, I live by faith in him. When I got saved, this was one of the first verses that I memorized that, that really just dug into my spirit. And it was that that allowed me every time that the enemy tried to come at me and I could say, nope, that's not me. I have now been crucified in Christ and I no longer live. Do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So it's not about the things that we can do. It's not about having a religious spirit. It's just allowing Him to come in us and flow through us. Amen? Today's message is from lepers to leaders. Before you go off. The before you go off really has the relation to this is that many times we're expecting things to work out a certain way. And when things don't work out a certain way, <laughs> and we start going off, we start getting angry, we start getting mad because God, you were supposed to come through for me and you didn't. I'm still stuck in the same place with the same frustrations. I thought things were going to be different and they're not. And we just go off. We get frustrated. Amen. But I also think that there are certain things that the Lord wants to break off of our life. How many of you are tired of having weaknesses? Things that are like so fragile in your life. Because that's what leprosy is, right? It's just that your nerve endings start getting damaged. And after time, they become so fragile that you can just touch it and things can just come off. And you know what? In reality, if you allow God to work into your life, those things that have been hurting you, those things that have been so fragile, if you just allow Him to touch you, those will just come right off. Just like that. So I believe that God can just do that for us. But sometimes we think that we got to hold on to certain things. And we think that if we lose those things, if those things are removed, we will be devastated. Because we make it about us and not about Him. We make it about what we want, what we desire, but not about His purpose and His desire for our lives. Heavenly Father, Daddy, I thank you that your presence is here and that you love us so much. I pray, Father, that as today your word is being ministered, Lord, 
that I pray that those things in our lives that need to be healed, that need to be touched, that need to be cut off, that need to be removed, that they will just be cut off, Lord. Father, today I pray that you would just give us listening ears, Lord. That you may remove the scales from our eyes. That you may soften our hearts that we will be changed and that we will be transformed, Father. That we will be transformed back to your original purpose, God, which was to be created in your image. To have full fellowship with you, Father. So help us today, Daddy, to get back to that place. The place of fellowship with you. Where we can hear your voice and feel your embrace. We love you, Daddy. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. I, I believe that the Lord's going to do something today. I, I, I can feel it. I can sense His, sense his presence. I, I know that the Lord is really ready to break some things off. The question is, at the end of service here, is would you be willing to do what God is requiring for you to do? Sometimes it's a simple thing that he's asking us to do. But sometimes, out of our own mind, because we're thinking about us again, thinking about us, we're not thinking about the work that he wants to do through us. Amen? So let's get into the word. We're going to be reading from 2 Kings, the fifth chapter. And we're going to go ahead and walk through this text, okay? Now, Nahum was the commander of the army of the, of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. And you know, and, and as I look at this scripture here, we see that that's an in interesting phrasing because it doesn't say that by him the victory was given. It says that through him the victory was given. Have you ever messed up by trying to do things for God? When God, in many cases, is simply trying to do things through you, have you ever done that? I have. I have. See, whenever myself or you try to force situations, what happens? We get frustrated, right? And then we get angry because we're trying to do things for God. And we say, God, but this is for you. But yet these things are not working out. And we get frustrated. Amen. But in reality, God would rather that we yield so that he can do that work through us. Amen. How many, how many of us are, are, are guilty of trying to fix people? Right? How many of us are guilty of that? We see a situation and we want to fix it. We want to fix it, and we want to change this, and we want to change that. If you only did this and did that, blah, 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 your life would be better, right? When in reality, sometimes God is just asking us to be loving, to show love, to show grace, compassion, mercy, understanding. Maybe sometimes just a shoulder to cry on, right? In reality, sometimes God is, all he's asking us to do is to show love, to show joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and sometimes self-control. <laughs> what am I talking about? He's asking us to show the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? But many times we just are so quick about wanting to fix the situation instead of letting God work through us. Right? Right? So when we allow the Holy Spirit to do His work, and we're demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit, that's us not doing the work. That's Him pushing it out through us. Amen? Even though sometimes we don't want to, that's what happens. 
So here we see that Nahum has a long list of acolytes, but he had leprosy. He was great, but there were a few things that were not just right. And I think that some of us have been where Nahum was, right? Because some of us may be there where we have it all. We have money, power, possessions, and then bam, out of nowhere, something happens. We realize that life can be so fragile. This week at work, we had a, uh, a workforce reduction because of uh, just business climate and whatnot. And... Um, I had to uh, let one of my team members go, lay, you know, lay, lay this person off. And I've been on both sides of the table, and neither one is pretty. Him, among other people, life was great. Everything was perfect before they got called into the HR office. And then everything just changes. And we realize how fragile life can be. But the only thing that will make a difference is, is that if you know who you are and in whom your trust is set. And at that point, you realize that it doesn't matter what comes against me because nothing will move me. Nothing will shake me because my foundation is set on the rock, Christ Jesus. And even though the storm may come, I'm going to hold on. Nothing will move me. I'm just going to lean on the rock, and nothing will move me. Amen? One of the things that, uh, um, that really has helped us, and this is more of, of Pastor Jamin's line, one of the things that has helped Pastor Jamin understand through the many, many years of ministry is this, is that to realize that most people have two ears, two eyes, two legs, one mouth, and at least one butt. But I'm, not, I'm not talking in... I'm, I'm saying that we understand that everybody says, I can help you, but we all have limitations. You see? We all have limitations. And I think that for any minister... In order to not get frustrated in ministry, it's understanding that there are certain people that will go with you this far. Some people will go a little farther. And some people will just go with you all the way. They will never leave your side. And I think that the earlier that we realize that in our lives and understand that people are fragile, that people will fail us. We don't have to get all frustrated. We don't have to be on social media Frustrated because nobody has our back. Amen? See, I, I know who my, my, my circle of friends are. I know that different people have different limitations. And because I understand that, if they come short, it's all good. I wasn't expecting anything more. If they do more, it's like, wow, praise God. They came through, wow. You know, I'd rather be surprised than to be devastated or discouraged because I was expecting more. Amen? Again, we all have limitations. Naaman was a great man, but he was a leper. He had a skin issue. Nobody could see that on the battlefield because in the battlefield, what? He had an armor. He was covered. And in reality, we all have something that we're trying to cover in our lives. It may not be a physical armor, but it could be a smile. Everything's fine. Everything's okay. It may not be a physical armor, but we may be able to hide it behind a big shout in the way that we serve, in the things that we do. But deep inside, there's something majorly going on with us. And we think that nobody knows and that nobody can figure it out. See, the thing about a real encounter with God is this. is that you know when you've encountered God. Because he will expose your butt. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But the most amazing thing is, is that he will not only expose your butt, he will deliver you if you allow him to. You know, this brings me back to Jacob in Genesis, the 32nd chapter. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Why is this important? It's because up to that point, Jacob was known as a deceiver. And at that point, he knew he had an encounter with God because God touched him. He wrestled with God. Not only that, but there was an identity change that took place that day. His name was changed from Jacob to Israel. So you know when you've had a true encounter with God, it's because not only will God expose everything that you think people don't know, he will get you to get to that place where you say, God, please take this away from me because I no longer want it. That's what Jacob was changed because he said, I will not let you go until you bless me, until you change me, until I know that there's been something different, right? It says that it touches hip so much that there was actual physical pain that happens. And sometimes when God is taking something away from us, it will hurt. And if we think that it's not going to hurt, then we are just deceiving ourselves. Amen. Moving on, verse 2. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Nahum's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. You see, we all have people in our lives who are able to look past our haughtiness or our appearance or quality that, that we are more than what we think, that everything's perfect, right? Because many times we, we, we hide behind our big shout, our big smile, everything, and we make it seem like everything's perfect. But there's somebody who's able to be able to see beyond that. And be able to see our hurt. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. you know, um, Kevin's up, up. Give it up for Kevin. Kevin's was pre was prepared. Even before service, he's like, you know what? I'm going to be prepared because I, I have a feeling, right? He was able to see the hurt and weakness of the microphone. Amen. <laughs> so give it up for Kevin. <clears throat> and thank you for the water break. Appreciate it. So in this particular case, it was a little slave girl that saw and spoke to the mightiest man condition, right? He was a great warrior. Nobody knew what, was, what he was hiding under his armor, but she could see it. In most of our relationships, we are more acquainted with people's victories than their vulnerabilities, right? We know what people are great at. We sometimes don't know what their weaknesses are. Sometimes you are great with people, but you don't take care of yourself. Sometimes you are really good at succeeding, but you are really bad at being content, right? And that pushes you to keep wanting more and more. Sometimes you're killing it at work. You're like a top performer at work, but your household is a mess. Sometimes you're a good emotional provider, but terrible with money. Sometimes you know how to be very impressive. But you don't understand how to be intimate. The truth is, it all depends on when and where you see someone that determines what you actually see. And we go back to identity. If you understand who you are in him, you're the same person. No matter what scenario, what place you will find yourself in. Again, 
It all depends where you see somewhat that determines what you actually see. Verse number four. Nahum went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. And you see here, it took real courage for a man with so many victories to go to his master and say, hey, I'm vulnerable here. There's a kink in my armor. There's something that needs to be addressed. See, while it's great to celebrate all of the Goliaths that we kill, sometimes it's the hidden things within us that are actually killing us. And we usually don't say anything about it until it's too late. In a series by um, Pastor Chip Ingram going, you know, good to great, or no, no, it's uh, balancing life's demands. One of the things that he says is, is that there are certain things that just don't happen to you overnight. Meaning that you don't wake up and you say, well, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to go rob a bank or whatever, whatever, right? These are things that you don't take care of over time. And they start growing, growing, growing until they finally show their face. You see this in relationships. You see this in perhaps in, in, in different health issues, right? Because let's face it, a lot of people that maybe end up having a heart issue or, or develop some sort of, of disease, it just doesn't happen like, oh, I just woke up and it was there. No, we all see the signs, and at some point, it just shows their face. Amen? Again, it's those things that we think that people don't see, but they're right there. And sometimes we just got to be able to get them addressed. Amen? Because we don't, if we don't say anything... Sometimes we're going to say something when it's just way too late. And the bad thing is when something actually happens in your life that exposes the very thing that you prefer to hide. But the thing that you do next determines on whether you will receive God's miracle in your life or not. Amen? So let's move on here. Verse number, uh, verse 5. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. There's so many different things wrong with this particular verse, right? It's like the game of telephone, right? Certain things get conveyed, and next thing you know, what comes out is something completely different here. The whole message really got polluted. The girl didn't say the king of Israel could heal Nahum, right? Or did she? No. She said the prophet in Samaria could. Have you ever run into the wrong people? Um, I'm sorry. Have you, ever, have you ever run to the wrong people because you had our own ideas about where your help comes from? Right? Many times you have an issue, and sometimes we think that maybe people on social media are going to be the first ones that can help us. <laughs> or sometimes you go to somebody to, that you try to confide because you think that they're going to be the ones that they're going to be able to help you. It's not the king that is going to have the faith to get him healed. Who was it? It was going to be the man of God. See, that's why in many cases, we just got to step up with our own faith, right? And one of the things that I see a lot is, is that we run to people and we say, can you please pray for me? Now, there's nothing wrong with asking for prayer. But what if you stood up in your own faith and run to somebody and say, Brother, would you, would you agree with me in prayer? Because I'm believing that God is going to move in this way and in this way and in this way. See, the difference is very small. 
But what you're telling God is saying, hey, my faith is enough. But for some reason, we think that we need somebody to do a special prayer for us so that we can get an answer from God. When if we were just to stand on our own faith and just ask people for agreement. Again, don't, 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 don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't come over here for prayer. We're happy to do that. But come here expecting and, and saying, you know what? Agree with me. Because, and, and, and again, sometimes you don't know what you want from God. And we're happy to be here to help and guide you in that. To equip you to get to that place where you can actually be asking for agreement in prayer and not just prayer. Amen? Verse number seven. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? See, the king of Israel was confronted with the situation that he wasn't equipped for. And he starts what? He starts going off. He's like, what, what the heck? Am I God? How, 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 how did I become the town healer here? <laughs> how do you act when life brings you something that's, that feels like it's above your pay grade? You have to be a dad, but you never had a father in your life. You have to pay a bill, but you don't have the money. God is leading you places you've never seen before, but you can only get there by faith and not by sight. The king of Israel gets a letter saying, Hey, can you heal my guy Nahum? Can you heal him? Can you touch him? But he's been so traumatized that he thinks that everything is a fight. Isn't that amazing that sometimes we carry that spirit of offense? That we think that everything, it's a fight, it's against us, when in reality it's not. And so what happens? He goes off. Not because of what he's currently experiencing, but because of his past experiences. See, and I believe that God is wanting us to be healed from our past experiences. To experience his presence here and now. So that we may be healed and transform and no longer carrying the baggage from the past. Because that's the only thing that's going to keep you from being offended anytime that something comes your way. You don't have to say, oh, here we go again. <laughs> you don't have to go off. You just have to trust, amen? And again, it's understandable when you've had to fight over and over and over again and everything looks like a threat, sounds like an insult, it feels like a fight. But please, again, don't allow your past experiences to contaminate your perspective of who God is right here and right now. Amen? Verse 8. When Elisha... The man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes. He sent him a message saying, Why have you torn your clothes, uh, your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So, so far we have seen that this story is pretty depressing, right? So many different things going on. People are being asked to do things that they're not equipped to do. And people are going off and, you know, just, it just kind of, you know, it's pretty depressing. But this is where it turns good. The same event that triggered fear in the king's heart triggered faith in Elisha's heart. The king said, who do you think I am? Do you think I'm a healer? But Elisha said, I know that God is a healer. Faith says, where you see my opposition, I see what? Opportunity. Elisha has been God, uh, he has seen God do things that only God can do. So when an impossible situation shows up, what do you think happens? Elisha knows what to do. And he says, bring me the great man to me, and he will know how great God is. 
This reminds me of when I was first growing in my faith. I was reading, doing a lot of reading, and, and, and some of the books that I was reading, um, it was one of uh, uh, Smith Wigglesworth's books. He is a, uh, uh, he was a, a, a preacher, a healer from, from England, and God moved in such a mighty way in his life through just healing and, and just the way that God moved through him. It was just miraculous. This revival was going on because of his faith. One of the books that really just encouraged my faith was this, is that he says that they were at somebody's house, and I think it was a, 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 a lady that, that was sick, and him and along three other ministries, ministers went to pray for the woman, and the other ministers went first, and they were basically praying something like this, oh Lord, please give comfort to the, to the family, the man, please be a provider, and be, you know, do all the different things you can. Now, there's nothing wrong with that prayer. But as Smith Wilsworth was standing there, he was just being stirred in his spirit because he knew who God was. He knew exactly the power that God could do, especially if you allow him to work through you. So as, as he describes, he's like, man, I was just standing there just waiting for my turn to be there. It's like I was trying not to listen to that word of unbelief. And as soon as it was his turn, he started praying, in the name of Jesus, <laughs> be healed. The, the woman was healed. She got up. And, you know, similarly to uh, uh, Peter's mother-in-law that got up and prepped him food, it was like the same thing. So that reminded me of this particular thing. It says that when you are being faced with difficulty, what do you do? You say, ah, it's not my job. Or you say, you know what? I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. Verse 9. So name name him went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. When a great man comes into your doorstep, you give him what? A great greeting. But not this prophet. See, Nahum was part of the pastor-only crowd. <laughs> Pastor knows this very well, right? Those people that, who believe that they can only be ministered to, prayed for, preached to, visited, only by what? By a pastor. And in reality, if we all allow God to work through us, to flow through us, we can do that same very work. Amen? Verse 11. But Nahum went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Pafar, the great rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters in Israel? Couldn't I wash them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. So he went off. He was like, what the heck? Really? Just wash myself? Really? He went off, literally. Naaman had it all planned out. Because great men make great plans, right? The word says that he came with what? Gold, silver, an entourage. He was prepared. He was ready to go. But when those plans don't go the way that you, they're supposed to go, even great men go off. <laughs> Amen? And believe me, right, you can make the best plans that you can. And when those plans are not going, whew, for those of us that are planners, <laughs> when things don't go the way that they're supposed to go, oh, man, we can definitely lose it. <laughs> and Naaman said to the two most, he said two of the most dangerous words for anyone to interpret their faith through. I thought, right, I was thinking, I thought this. I thought they would say, thank you. I thought that they would keep their word. I thought that my life would, be, would have turned out differently. Because why? It's what we're thinking, not what God is thinking. And again, when things don't go the way that we want it to go, it's easy for us to go off. Are those two words standing between you in the place of reconciliation, 
the place of healing, God's will for your life? Isaiah 55, 89 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Family, we got to stop looking at things from what we think and look at things from the mind of, of the Lord, from the mind of God. Not this time. Nahum, God's got to do, do it like you demand it. He's not going to do it like he's demanding it. God will not be held hostage to what you think or what anybody else thinks. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. You see, Elijah's instruction was simple. It just didn't make any sense, right? Just like it doesn't make much sense when God tells you to what? Love your neighbor. Bless those who curse you. Forgive others so that you can be forgiven. Don't flick off the person who just took your parking spot. <laughs> Sometimes it's the simple things that he's asking us to do, right? <laughs> so that man of the man of God is telling Nahum that the leprosy can be cured. It's got to be cleansed. And there's a big difference there. And it can only be cleansed if you obey this command. Right? Nahum didn't realize that he was being sent to the place. One of the things that we realize here is this, right? He was asking him to go dip himself seven times in the Jordan River. But again, to him, he was saying, hey, there's better rivers around here. Why, why do that? But one of the things that he was missing is this. Is, is that he was being sent back to the place of the miracle. He was being sent back of the place of the promise. And you see, many times we don't realize that. Sometimes God is sending us to a place and we don't realize, hey, this was the place of promise. And what am I talking about? right? The Jordan River is what was separating the children of Israel from entering into the promised land. Miracles happen when they cross into the promised land. But Nahum didn't realize that. He didn't realize that this was more symbolism than anything. He was just thinking, hey, why do this? And isn't it amazing that sometimes we are not good at doing the simple things that we're being asked to do? <laughs> Man. Verse 13. Nahum's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something, do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? That's so easy, right? It's like basically saying, hey, somebody start running the water. Here, here's a rubber ducky to go with, with your water. You know, enjoy it. You know, go for a bath. He's about to spend the rest of his life with this disease because he didn't want to do the simple thing. How many of us, how many of us are continuing to live with certain things because we're not willing to do the simple thing. Simple things. And I think that God has been very clear in many ways. Sometimes it's as simple as cut that off. <laughs> it may seem difficult to do, but sometimes it's simple. Don't go to that website. Don't pick up that drink. See, the thing is, is that there's so many different things that happen between stimuli and response. You may not be able to control the stimuli, but you can sure control everything in between that will determine how you're going to respond. And sometimes it's a very simple thing that if you were to do it, 
your life would be changed. If the prophet had told you to come to do some great thing, would you have not done it? Well, of course I would, right? He's saying, I'm a great man. Well, if you're a great man, you should be able to do a small thing. Pride is a funny thing, isn't it? It will cause you to believe that obedience is completely beneath you. <laughs> isn't that amazing? First Peter 5.5 says, and all you who clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the highly hand of God, so that he may exalt you now? No, in due time. We just have to act in humility. Naaman went off in rage, and he was about to miss the opportunity of a miracle. And this is why he went off because he didn't go in. One of the things that myself, Pastor Jamin, and many different people have realized is this. Is, is that when we don't go into the presence of God, prayer and worship... What happens? We start going off. If we don't practice the very disciplines of being a disciplined Christian, reading your Bible, fasting, tithing, fellowshipping, some of the very basic things that we need to do, it's so easy for us to just simply go off. What situation in your life would you not have to spend the next week trying to fix if you have, would have just taken some moment to worship. Taken one moment to just pray and seek out God's wisdom. How many different things? Sometimes we just think that it's, it's not enough. You know, it reminds me when I was in college. And um, I remember I was studying for finals. And they would open up at NIU with the Newman Center, which is a Catholic church. Um, and I remember that in, during that time, right, I'm like trying to cram for exams. And part of me was like, okay, uh, I don't have time to pray. I, I just need to use the time so that I can cram as much as I can, possibly can, so that I can remember the most. I got to make the best use of my time. If I would have had the knowledge and wisdom that I have now, I would have said, you know what? I'm going to take 30 minutes, even an hour, just to pray and seek the Lord and say, Lord, would you just please bring back into remembrance everything that I've already learned? Would you allow all the information that I'm now taking, just let me allow it to be absorbed into my spirit and everything else. And I'm just going to believe that you're just going to help me through this situation. And then I went and still study, right? Because I still got to do my part. It's not, not just going to come in through like, you know, like the, the last five chapters I didn't read. They're just going to come in by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Although we want to sometimes, right? But you see, sometimes we could be doing some of the very simple things. That could save us so much. But sometimes we don't, right? Because we're too busy. You know, sometimes, you know, I got to read my Bible lunch, but I can't because I got to work through this whole thing. When if we just stop and say, Lord, I'm going to spend time with you. And I'm just going to believe that you are just going to expand my time. That one, you know, that five minutes, I'm going to be able to get done what I could get done in an hour. And I'm just going to believe that. And I'm just going to stand there by faith. I've done it. I've done it. And God just is able to just stretch out your time so that you can do more with the little bit that you have. And again, I'll ask the question again. What situation in your life would you not have to spend the next week trying to fix it if you would just have taken some time to worship, to pray, to just get before the very presence of the Lord? Verse 14. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan River seven times as the men of God had told him. And his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. Finally, this story has a happy ending. A new beginning for some of us today. I'm glad that even after he went off, he was able to go in and do what God was asking him to do. So Nahum went down to the Jordan River, and he walked out into the muddy water. You know, and I'm pretty sure that he could have been in doubt as he was going into the Jordan River. 
and even came out a, a, a leper. He's going in, it's like he's dipping once. Nope, it's not, still not good. Two times, three times, and nope, six times, and he was still being a leper. You see, often when you're in the process of obeying God, sometimes you don't see any immediate change. But when God says seven, he's not saying six, <laughs> right? Because six won't do. Five won't do. If God is saying seven, you got to do seven. So what thing in your life is God asking you to do that you're, he's asking you to go all the way out, not just this far and say, God, <laughs> you know, just help me out here. You go the rest of the way. Let's meet halfway. <laughs> Just like marriage. You know, like people always say, you know, it's like, hey, you got to meet halfway. You know, marriage is, you know, 50-50. No. Marriage is what? A hundred, a hundred. You know, same thing with God. <laughs> it's like, help me out here. You know, we understand that when we tell our children something, right? <laughs> we get the concept as adults, right? If we tell our children, do this, and if you don't do that, you're not going to get that, right? It's really simple. But yet when it comes to our own spiritual discipline, we say, God, that's close enough. <laughs> it's like, Lord, you told me not to make it a home base. Hey, I only made it a second. Huh? That's, that's, that's close enough to purity, right, Lord? <laughs> that's for somebody out there. I don't know who that's for. <laughs> that's, that's for somebody out there. So I'll just leave it at that. I, that's not in my notes, by the way. That just, that just kind of came out. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So. Hallelujah. See, you are not blessed based on how the Word of God that you hear or understand. You are blessed based on the Word of God that you obey and you apply. I want to say it again. You are not blessed based on the Word of God that you hear here every Sunday. Right? You are not blessed on that. It's like you are blessed on what you actually apply into your life. Seven times in the Bible means what? Completion. Total obedience. You got to have the faith to go through the motions even when you do not see the evidence. Who am I talking to right now? See, you got to have faith to go down and pray again. To lift up your hands in worship and say, I don't feel a thing right now, but if God is for me, then who can be against me? You know, and, and you know, and I'm not talking about faking it until you make it. What I'm talking about is doing it and knowing that he's going to act. We're not talking about faking it until you make it. We're talking about you doing it until he acts. Once Naaman fully obeyed, his flesh was restored like a young boy. <laughs> the great man... Became like a young boy and was healed. See, this is significant. A significant word for someone who's about to go off. Don't go off and miss your miracle. Before you go off, you need to know and understand that the only way to receive healing is through your complete surrender. See, Pastor Jamin, myself, other people... We've been walking this walk for too long to try to even be here and even try to preach to your armor. Unless you are willing to expose yourself, the things that need to be healed will never be healed. See, in the presence of God is like a Jordan River. You need to go in time and time and time again. See, and in closing, the one thing that I admire about Nahum was that he was a finisher. He was a great man, and I think that he was a great man for one reason. He said he was determined. He was a finisher. He reminds us of another finisher, another great finisher, Hebrews 12 and 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher 
of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. See, and many of us are not willing to endure anything, even though we know that there's something great that God has for us. Because we want our healing right here, right now. If I don't have to go through that pain, I will not do it. But Jesus, when he was in the garden, he says, Father, if it's your will, let this, pass, this cup pass me. But if it's your will, let your will be done and not mine. He was willing to endure the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I think that that's the promise, is that no matter what we're facing right now, no matter what is coming against us, is that we got to believe that, that he's able to do great things for us. Because we got to understand this, is that finishers understand something that's lost in this generation. They understand commitment until the end. You got to stay committed. Can you go ahead and show that picture? This is a picture of me. This was uh, Chicago Marathon this year. Uh, this was mile 23 and a half. I was very close to the finish line. If you were to see pictures before this, a lot of them I'm like raising my hands. I'm all smiles. Um, I actually posted a picture on, on social media, and you see different how I how I looked in different paces of the rain because some, part of our journey sometimes is joyful. Amen? Some of them is a little bit difficult when we got to push through. This is mile 23.2. Marathon is 26.2 miles. Mile 13, I started having really tight pain in my calves. As a matter of fact, every single step that I took hurt. Many times I had to walk and I had to stretch. There's a couple times that I had to stop on an aid station so that I could be get a little bit of relief. Sometimes in life, life gets so difficult. And we just got to know when it is that we need to stop and rest and be restored and receive what we need to do. It may push us to go a little further. I had stopped maybe a mile before that because I was really hurting. I stopped at a station and I invested a couple minutes because I knew that I needed to make the investment so that I could keep moving forward. See, when we're not willing to make the investment to do what God is calling us to do, we're not going to make it through the finish line. So I pushed and pushed for the next three miles until I made it to the finish line. You can see I'm like... And there's times where I actually got better. At the end, I finished strong. I had my head up. See the pictures? I'm, I'm, I'm running. I'm still hurting. But I could see the finish line. And I'm like thinking, I'm going to finish strong. See, this is not the first time that I faced adversity. I faced adversity in previous marathons. I cramp up. I, I, I hit the wall at mile 20. And the last six miles are so difficult to go through. This year I prepared differently. I prepared because I knew that my body wasn't 100%. So I prepared my body so that I could finish. Four years prior, when I first got injured, I got through 70% of my training. I decided to start a race that I knew I wasn't going to finish. I only ran about five miles and I had to drop out. And at the end... I could see people who ran, who finished, who got a medal. And as I saw people getting their medal, it was being wrapped around their necks. I felt terrible. I felt terrible because I was like, I could not finish that. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? <laughs> run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. 
They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown <laughs> that will last forever. You know what? As my children grow older and as my grandkids, they have children and everything else, it's not going to matter that I finish a marathon, that I finish the race. Do you know what's going to matter? It's the race that I decided to run the night that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. The night that I decided that I was going to start living separated unto Him. The night that I decided that, my, that as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The night that I decided that everything that had been in my lineage, all the womanizing, adultery, all the different things that existed in my life, when I said, that's done. When my daddy died, I said, Daddy, I love you. But everything that you were, all the bad things that you were, died with you when I accepted Christ. And now I get to bury them with you. See, and that's the type of race that I'm talking about. Is that these things, they're perishable. They don't matter. But the race that we're talking about here is the last, the one that's going to last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like, fight like a boxer beating the air. No. I strike like a, a, a blow to my body to make it my slave. To be disciplined. <laughs> so that after I have preached to others, I myself not be disqualified <laughs> for the prize. The reason why I didn't get a medal is because I was disqualified. I dropped out of the race. I did not finish. That day I made up my mind that I will never run a race that I cannot finish. And I'm challenging each and every one of you that if you are running this race, that if you are setting your mind on Christ Jesus, to make up your mind that you're going to run, run with purpose, with discipline, not aimlessly, but put your focus on Christ Jesus and live your life in that way that you may not be disqualified. Once Naaman was made, made up his mind to do it, it was a total commitment. See, that's what we need in the church. Men and women who are not just here to get blessed. We need people that are committed to the work. They're here to see it through. And that you can count on them to finish what they started. I definitely feel That the Lord wants to do some work in you today. And even if I, as I was speaking, I could sense in my spirit that many of you were thinking of the things that God is telling you that you need to do to be in a better place. I'm not sure how simple that thing is. I'm not sure how difficult it is. But what I will question is this. It's your commitment to obey and to see it through. pastor is going to come up in a second to close out the service but before he does this I really do feel this I'm going to pray and as I pray if you are ready to do the one thing before you go off if you are ready to do the one thing that God is asking you to do I'm just going to ask you to just symbolically make your way over here just saying, again, I'm not asking you to 
come and put money in an offering basket. <laughs> I'm not asking you to commit to read your Bible for an hour. All that I'm saying is, if this is you, and you are listening to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, all that I'm saying is say, Lord, I'm going to make the commitment. Right? And by faith, we're going to believe that the Lord's going to work and give you the willpower, the strength, that His, shine, that His light is going to shine through you, that you may shine like He does and walk like He does. So as I pray, very simple. If that's you, and you want this, I'm not asking you to dip yourself in Jordan seven times. <laughs> I'm just saying, just walk right down. This is just so that you can let the Lord know. You're not letting me know. You're letting the Lord know, hey, I'm willing to do the one thing. So if that's you, again, make your way down. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Daddy. I just thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us alone to fend for ourselves. I thank you, Lord, that you sent us your Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to convict us and to guide us, to pursue us in the way that we need to be pursued. Daddy, I can sense that there are people here under the sound of my voice that before they go off, they want to go in. They want to obey you, Lord. So right now, Father, I thank you for those that are making their way down right now. And that they're saying, Daddy, I am willing to do the one thing. What I'm being asked to do is not a difficult thing. And I'm willing to do it. So, Lord, for every single person that's making their way up front right now, I just thank you, Lord, that you are hearing their request, that you are hearing their heart. I thank you, Lord, that they're going to live in understanding who they are and why they're here and why they live life, Lord. And I thank you now, Father, that as they're coming up, you're just breaking things off, Lord. You are just breaking things off, Lord. You are removing things that don't need to be there, Lord. That you are, that you are helping them to make up their minds that they're going to break off the things that they need to be broken off, Lord. To obey, to follow you, to surrender, Lord. So, Daddy, I thank you for the people that are here right now, Lord, that are just surrendering that to you, Lord. We love you, Daddy. You are so amazing. You are so amazing, Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message on the Impact Church Aurora podcast. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. For more information or to give, please visit us at www.impactchurchaurora.com. Now, go out into the world and continue making an impact.